Well, good morning, church. My name is Terry Swan. I'm the senior pastor here, and I am delighted to offer the message today. Um, I'm going to have you read with me one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. And so this is John 3:16, and it goes through 17. So will you read that with me? God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We're concluding on this 316 living today, um, this act of giving as God gave, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. And, um, and so I'm gonna go out on a limb here and make an assumption that everyone in this room has probably played Monopoly one time or another, maybe, or at least maybe you know about Monopoly, uh, the board game. And um, when my daughters were little, I would actually get the play money out and um, teach a little math with the money. And actually, it's a great game for that lost art of making change, right? teaching that. Um, it's also a great uh, game in teaching how to give and to receive. My husband and I uh, were playing Monopoly this last summer with our grandson. My grandson loves board games, loves board games, begs us to play board games when he's visiting. And so we got the Monopoly game out and set up all of the, the bank and the, the houses and the property and all of that. And, and when I would land on his property, he would get so excited, right? He has this deep laugh, and it would be like, <laughs> because he knew that I was going to have to pay him money, and he'd put that hand out, and I'd put that money in there. And then when, I, when he landed on my property, he would just kind of go, oh. and he'd get his money out, and he'd count it out, and I would just put my hand out and say, thank you. See, I was teaching him how to, to give and to receive, and, um, but at the end of game, I won. I still won. Yeah. But see, being a grandma, you can bend the rules just a bit. You know, when he would run out of money, I would give him a loan, put him over a little more money so the game could continue a little while longer. But I ended up still winning. And, and at the end of the game, that's when I let my laugh out. <laughs> I won, you know. And then at the end of the game, Ryder gathered up all of the stuff all of the houses, all of the cash, all of the property, and he put it back in the box. John Ortberg, author and pastor, says really that's what life's about, right? When the game's over, it all goes back in the box. I've done a large number of funerals over my years of ministry, and I've never known anyone who could carry their stuff with them. It all goes back in the box. And as that great, deep theologian Jerry Seinfeld said, your life, when you're moving around in a lot of places, becomes about boxes of stuff. He, started, he says, you start looking for boxes. You walk down the street, and you look, are there boxes down this alleyway? You walk into a store, I wonder if they have any boxes. You begin to have a conversation with a friend, and you think, do you start it with, do you have any boxes that I can put my stuff in? 
He says, you're even at a funeral and everyone's grieving and crying around you. And you look at the casket and you say, no, that's a nice box. It even has handles. That's where his theology really took off too. He said, you know, really life is about that last great box. That's kind of the way life is. The hearse is the moving van. The pallbearers are the only friends that you can ask for a big move like that. And there's the box. When you find the perfect box, you're in it. It all goes back in the box. Jesus had something to say about this, only he didn't use the word boxes. He used the word barns. Eugene Peterson, uh, who translated the message, paraphrased the message, passed away this last week. He was in a hospice care for a number of days and and, um, passed away. So in his memory and honor, I want to read from the message this morning. This is a paraphrase of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12. And Jesus is there with a gathered crowd, and he begins this way. Speaking to the people, he went on, Take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, even, even when you have a lot. Then he told them a story. The farm of a certain rich man produced a terrific crop. He talked to himself, what can I do? My barn isn't big enough for this harvest. Then he said, here's what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll gather all my grain and goods, and I'll say to myself, self, you've done well. You've got it made, and now retire. Take it easy and have the time of your life. Just then, God showed up and said, fool, tonight you die. And your barn full of goods, who gets it? That's what happens when you fill your barn with self and not with God. Boxes. It all goes back in the box. You know, life, I love how Eugene Peterson says life is not defined by what you have. He's translated Jesus' words this way. Life is not defined by what you have. In fact, much of the opposite is those who follow Jesus Christ, our lives are defined by our heart, the heart in which we give to another, because our lives are defined by the one who gave it all for us. God is a giver, amen? God's a giver. In fact, his giving is extravagant. And what could be more extravagant than the sacrificial love for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever should believeth in him shall not perish but have what? Eternal life. Eternal life. What could be more extravagant than that? 316 living is a life of extravagant generosity. And Salem's vision for living the Christian faith and life here is connecting all people with what? God's extravagant love. What a define extravagant. 
for just a moment from the Christian context. We know how the world kind of defines extravagant, but how does how is extravagant defined from those who follow Christ? Think of it this way. By the world standards, the extravagant love and generosity of God could be f- viewed as foolish, nonsensical, non-reasonable, or even scandalous. But I want you to think for a moment. God's love and generosity as it's recorded in the scriptures. God's love and generosity throws a feast for the returning son who's gone away and blown his inheritance. God's extravagant love and generosity gives a coat when it steals the shirt, when the shirt is stolen. God's love and generosity blesses our enemies. God's love and generosity bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. There's a popular song that we sing right here in modern worship, so often that reckless love of God talks about this giving of self, this extravagant love of God. And we've sung it in here many times. Oh, the old, join with me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Oh, it chases me down, fights till I'm found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, still you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it. As Corey Asbury sings in the song, it leaves the 99. What kind of shepherd leaves the whole herd just to chase down the one that's lost? That extravagant love and generosity of God. Still, you give yourself away. The chorus says, you give yourself away. When we give, it's an act of reaching out to another of loving another. Every time you give your time, your money, your energy, your service, your kindness, your joy, your patience, your prayers, your very presence, you are loving another. You're giving yourself away. And as we define extravagant here at Salem, it is saying you cannot love without giving. Thank you. I needed that. She gave herself to me. <laughs> you cannot love without giving. That, that's such, so true. Generosity is love in action, isn't it? It's putting skin and bone and flesh on the game of love and giving ourselves to someone else sacrificially. And when we give as God gave, we are, gave, we are partners in God's work, partners in loving the world. For God so loved that he gave. 
that he gave. And when we give, we change people's hearts and lives, but the greatest change happens within who? Us. It helps us connect with God in a beautiful and wonderful way. It changes hearts and lives. It makes a difference in the world, and it makes a huge difference within us. You know, my daughter's a photographer, many of you know that, and I was looking through testimonies of giving, and I I ran across this one. This is a young man who's a photographer, and he had been gifted in this way, and he didn't know how to give back to God. And so I want you to hear his story in building the kingdom of God. I started shooting when I was 15. I was talking to my parents and they had an old digital camera. It was four megapixels and really not that great, but I had ownership over something and I think that's what encouraged me to keep moving forward. Photography is very special to me because I get to work with people and capture moments. Whether it's a wedding day or a family session, something that's special that they can remember. Um, That's why I love photography. So as business began to grow, I felt like if I was going to do anything through photography, it needs to have purpose with it. And so I was sitting in a youth group, and I was listening to my youth pastors challenge us to give to Kingdom Builders and think of creative, unique ways to do that. I could do a car wash or something different or a bake sale and raise money, but what could I do that I was passionate about? And I came up with the idea to give away free family sessions over the course of a month. And so instead of taking profit, I would just uh, ask for a donation in return, and I would donate that to Kingdom Builders. So the first year that I did this, I was able to raise $3,000, and it was very incredible. And they were challenging us, what would we set for our goal for the next year? I put $5,000 on the piece of paper, uh, and I turned it in. And I remember walking away, just praying about it, and thinking, I can do $5,000. This will be easy. Uh, And I was having a conversation with God, and he was like, yeah. You, you can do $5,000. And I was like, that's, that's right, I, I can. Uh, and then he said, what's something you can't do? How about $10,000? That was uh, a very challenging moment. So that upcoming fall, I captured 40 families over the course of a month and raised over $10,000. And it was one of the coolest experiences ever because it was a lesson where I learned that uh, being obedient is greater than anything else. Um, Might not be easy, but what God intends to do through you is something so much greater. This year, I decided to launch a nonprofit called One Month to Give using the same model that I had used in the previous years. And together we would work with photographers from all over the nation uh, and give back as a community. And so we've set a goal this year to raise $100,000, and I have no idea how we're going to raise that, uh, but I'm believing that if God was faithful in each moment before, He'll be faithful in this moment. If you're not using your gifts uh, to help other people and, and pursue what God wants for you, then you're not really living life to the fullest. I think that if everybody used their gifts and talents, Christianity would, would reach the entire world. I said we have no idea how we were going to do it but God's been faithful 
and that God will make it happen. When we give, we give in that faith, knowing that God is going to multiply it and use it to touch lives to make a difference. And something happens within us. We experience the fullness of life, as he talked about, that joy, that cheerful giving, as the scripture talks about. You know, I have been so blessed to be a pastor here at Salem and watch the extravagant generosity of this congregation change life after life after life. It's part of who you are. It's part of how you've lived out your faith here. Starting a preschool with Kingdom House years ago before I ever got here. And you've continued to touch life after life within that organization um, year after year. 5,000 meals for Haven Street this last year. As people who have come in who have food insecure, uh, people who are homeless receive a meal. When you place your offering in the plate and you make that commitment to give in that way, you're changing lives. You're making a difference. Epworth, the kids who um, come and worship here occasionally, when they come to worship, they go out to eat together, and Salem provides that. Did you know that? Not to mention the drop-in center that provides meals for the kids that don't have a home. Costa Rica Mission Projects. This congregation helped build a ministry center in San Isidro. Think how much difference these gifts are making. And we continue to offer them, and we have no idea how God was, is going to use them in 2019, but I have faith that God has been faithful and that God will continue to be glorified. Amen? And if you haven't figured it out, this is Commitment Sunday. And we're making our commitments for 2019 today. And, and if some of you have done that online, great. If some of you have not done that uh, yet or thought about that, there's still time until the end of the year to, to bring that in. But some of you brought them today. And there are some cards in the baskets at the end of the row if you don't have one and would like to take one and, and make a commitment for 2019. Because when we make commitments, we're saying, I trust you, God. I trust you. That you're going to show me, you're going to direct me, and you're going to use these gifts to make a difference in the life of someone else. And when we do that, Something within us changes. There's a joy that cannot be put into words. There's a joy that cannot be explained. I'm going to invite the band up, and um, we're going to have this time to reflect and to, to pray. And if you want to come up and put your commitment card in, in one of the places here on, at, the, at the front, I invite you to do that to spend some time in prayer with your family. We remember that it all goes back in the box, right, at the end. When the game is over and our life is done here on this earth, our life continues on in Christ, eternal, eternal life for those who say, I know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. 
how do you want to be remembered? Do you want to be remembered for the boxes of stuff that had to be packed up? Or do you want to be remembered for the ways that you built the kingdom? For the ways that you made a difference? I invite you now to spend this time in prayer and reflection.